listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening, this is Shereen Rice of Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. Last week, I had an awesome show lined up and they canceled at the last minute, so life happens and we get used to that, don't we? I usually have a plan B, but on that day, I didn't. I don't know why. I'm hoping to have them on again soon. Okay, my goal for the show is to educate and help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. I'm actually recording live right now. I'm a little bit late because um, I started to pre-record and my show shut down. My computer is really struggling. So I'm on my Chromebook. Hopefully this works just as good. We'll find out, won't we? Okay, if you're listening tonight and would like to get in touch with me, you can email me at shereencwr at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. A shout-out to um, a friend of mine, Rebecca Jackson. She has been asking some awesome questions on Facebook on sexual assaults and getting some great data. Unscientific, but very qualitative nonetheless. You are an amazing girl. Can't wait to have you back on my show, sweetie. So um, keep getting that data. That's pretty interesting stuff. So I want to talk about that. I would like to remind everyone that our show is on every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 p.m. Central. My show can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and those services. You can go to the CWR homepage on the website cwrtalknetwork.com and click on the logo for that service. If at any time you experience a trigger about this topic, please call the National Hotline at 1-800-SAFE. 1-800-7233. Okay, we're going to go to a public service announcement. I'll be right back. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. This is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. Okay, my show tonight is called Letter from an Abuser. Now, I will say it was text messaging back and forth, but, you know, conversation nonetheless. Okay, so I should start out by saying I should honestly pass out business cards that say anything you say can and will be on my next radio show. This actually happened about a week ago. Um, I met a guy about a year, year and a half ago, and we talked a little, you know, nothing big, um, no connection really, but uh, just acquaintances. One thing he said to me recently, and I'm telling you I was elated, he said, I'm an abuser. Oh, my gosh, have you ever heard that? 
no, I don't hear that very often when someone says, hey, I'm an abuser. Then said he was trying to get help again. Major break. So let me ask you this, or let me tell you this. Um, and I said this before a hundred million times, so this is not the first. When an abuser's mouth is moving, there is some form of a lie. Now, the lie may be a complete lie. It may be a partial truth with a lie wrapped around it. Maybe a, a lie with a little bit of truth wrapped around it. Most likely that's the case. But uh, nevertheless, any of those three scenarios is an absolute lie. And I unfortunately found this one to be the same. And that really hurt me when I found that out. So when he did say that, I said, let's sit down and talk. Uh, in my life, I'd never heard an abuser say they were uh, an abuser. And I wanted to get help. That is an anomaly in my book. I work with a battery of therapists. I also work with a battery of PhD students on the same subject. So coming together, profession and education, um, we discussed the entire thread. Uh, of the first discussion, uh, not uh, previous uh, days following that, but the first the first discussion, and I said this seems like it's not an abuser wanting to get help. This is an abuser who only knows how to abuse, and they agreed 100%. What really concerned all of us is in his comments. He said uh, that he sees a therapist once a month when far beyond he needs, and this was several of my therapists and one of my PhD friends said he needs to be getting help once a week to abuse me while I was talking to him, thinking he was like awesome, right? Um, It just, you know, it was weird. I've never seen this before. You know, you're complimenting someone and they start, Judging you and ridiculing you and manipulate—I can't even say the word—manipulating. And I mean, it was just—it was just weird. It's nothing like I've ever seen, to be honest with you. So let's talk about healthy and unhealthy um, things. So uh, this abuser, um, who is full-blown, started to—he wanted to talk about something I had said to a friend. But he didn't came up with, come up with that. He came up with a, a lie. He said, um, I was, he was upset about something I had said to another person is the comment that he made. And I said, uh, you know, why? We worked all that out. We're, you know, we're friends again. And he's like, well, that's good. And then he started asking me questions and being very demeaning. And I'm like, you know, like, where are you going with this? Now, you're probably asking, so, like, what kind of things do you say? Well, let's start out. I, of course, am just at saying, hey, you're an anomaly. That you're, I really like to sit down with you. And then um, I said, you know, you're, you're 4%. You're in the top 4%. And he said 97% of all people who go through uh, classes are successful. They don't reoffend. Well, because I had discussed the same topic with 
um, Stacey Womack about a year ago. I said, uh, um, no, no, no. 90, I said I was talking about 4% of all abusers. So he's already skewed his thinking, and he's already taken out of context what I'm trying to say. Very, very popular among abusers. Uh, and then I tell him about what Stacey Womack said. She said in her program as well, she had 97% recidivative rate. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And then I asked Stacey, I said, is that non-reoffending rate or is that non-getting caught reoffending rate? Let me tell you why I said that, because everybody knows that. Uh, those have gone through classes doesn't mean that they are not going to reoffend. It's not an eight-week class that fixes a person. It's years and years of work. It's a desire to change. It is an intentional change. And I'll tell you why. Because an abuser was once a victim. And I even later said to this guy, I am so sorry for what you have been through. Because to be the person that you have become as an abuser... It, it must have been horrible what you went through as a young person. Um, and I, and that is the absolute truth. Abuse is almost 100%. Um, an abuser is almost 100% been a victim. Uh, I've never heard of it otherwise. It is a learned behavior. So it can be unlearned, absolutely. There is absolute abilities. But there's one thing about abuse that abusers love, and that's power and control. Now, power and control doesn't mean that they beat the crap out of someone or they sexually abuse someone, anything like that. It, it, it's psych- And it was obvious that he was trying to do the same to me, uh, psychological abuse. And um, I'll point out some narcissistic and sociopathic behaviors that he indicated or that he displayed, actually. So he's getting, he was getting really upset that I kept saying, it's, no, it's really, it's 4%. And it, that was making him angrier and angrier. And I'm like, um, okay, so, um, so maybe we just, like, got off on the wrong foot, basically, is what I was thinking. Uh, but, like, the first... 10, 20 minutes went on this 4% thing. It was like, I don't really hang on to anything that long. But he was totally, um, totally, totally there. Okay, so one of his comments was, until, and I, I'm quoting this direct, until they go rock bottom or go to jail or prison, that is an irrelevant stat to me. You can see where his tension is kind of building his skewed, unhealthy thinking is now starting to get more apparent. Do I think some need to hit rock bottom before they get help? I do. Um, and I, I do know if you go to jail, you're required to get help. I personally think if you're forced to get help because you go to jail or prison, the percentage of reoffending is much higher than if you go in and you say, hey, I have a problem and I need help, which I have heard of people doing that. I have not seen a stat on this. It would be difficult to obtain, but anyone forced to do something, it's not very likely that they will come out doing it well. Also, keep in mind that it takes years to change, not just an eight-week class. And I'll bring this up several times because some reason people think an eight-week class is like a, the the key here, and it's totally, totally not. Okay, so... 
I didn't say most don't go to jail, so they continue this cycle. I'm trying to explain to him why I'm saying 4% because get help. And I'm not, I'm, that's probably the 97% rate of, um, uh, of non-refunding that he's talking about. Um, so, but I'm not sure because I was so frazzled by the end of the night. Anyway, so I was trying to help him understand most abusers don't go to jail. They don't get help. Those stats of the 97 that don't reoffend or or not getting caught reoffending. Why do? You, why do you think I would say that? Anyone who knows abusers know power and control is a part of their life, and it takes a long time, and I mean a really long time, to to help get rid of that obsession of power and control. I will say my hat is off to anyone who successfully has gotten away from abuse and has worked through that power and control and gotten rid of it out of their life. I do have to say, and my personal belief is that the Savior has to be a part of that process. But that's just my own personal belief. Uh, I I know a lot of my friends disagree uh, that that it can be done without that. Um, That's just my personal opinion. Okay, so I was kind of trying to make light of what he was saying because I'm trying to reduce the tension. And I said, LOL, are you above the stats? This is in reference to his comment that the stats were irrelevant to him. Well, this still needs to be clarified because I was, I'm was i still unsure if he was talking about his situation or that he doesn't care about it. Uh, he definitely was not open to the word 4%. As you would see, he escalates quickly here just in a moment. So, And I was... I, I was just in shock. You know, here I think he's an abuser who's accepted that he's an abuser. He's trying to get help, and I am just overjoyed. I also think that this man is not only a man of God, but wants to be totally a man of God, and I'm not seeing that in his behavior. Okay, he then said, quote, their life is in a state of chaos, and they're not cognizant of the damage. they tell you why this didn't sit well with me. Because he just gave all abusers an excuse to abuse. Please tell me whose life has not been in a state of chaos. I know a ton of people whose lives are not, or who are in a state of chaos, and they don't go punching people, they don't go raping people, they don't go psychologically abusing people, they don't go diminishing people, or minimize people, or manipulating people. They don't do that just because their life is is in a state of chaos. I'm not getting this at all. And then my favorite part is they're not cognizant of the damage that they are doing. Okay. They're abusers. They enjoy abuse. Maybe not. The damage, the extent of the damage that they are doing. And as I have discussed with my friends and colleagues on numerous occasions, uh, abuse is far worse than the others because you wake up screaming and crying because of the damage that has been done by an abuser psychologically to victims. That's physical victims, non-physical victims, sexual victims, non-sexual victims. Um, it is it is horrendous. The PTSD that occurs and the length of time, the suicidal attempts, the the low self esteem. I mean, uh, you know, the depression that these women go through or those that endure this abuse, the um, anxiety that they have. It goes on for years, 
and and you know what? Abusers can't apologize for what they did. That's how you know they're an abuser, for one. Um, does that mean someone who's not an abuser can't apologize? Absolutely not. They probably could. But okay, so we continue on our 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 banter. <laughs> I then said, um, "Reoffended is a miscellaneous word. The way it should have been phrased is they don't get caught, not that they don't reoffend." Again, because of my discussion with Stacy Womack uh, a year and a half ago, all 97% are non-reoffenders. I believe. Uh, that once you've gone through your eight-week class, that is just the the iceberg of where you need to go and how you need to get there. It is years and years and years of practice and work. And he has, once you see what he says to me, you'll see that he has a very long way to go, which really, really uh, hurt my heart, really did, because I thought he was a different person. As we all do, don't we? We think abusers are this one person that we think is absolutely wonderful, and they turned out to be non-Mr. Wonderful. So as we continue on, um, his next comment was, we need to have compassion for these people. I sensed a lot of resentment and anger from you towards these people. So I'm like, um, he's projecting. He, I have no, I'm quoting stats. And I told him, I said, I'm quoting stats. I am just telling you my studies. I'm telling you my PhD. I'm telling you what I know. I have no um, feelings behind it whatsoever. Do I hate him? I I have a lot. I have to tell you, I, I absolutely love my ex-husband very much. And I love my ex-boyfriend very much. Both of them are huge abusers. Will I have anything to do with them? Absolutely not. Um, It's just my choice. So he is projecting his resentment and anger probably towards himself, I'm hoping. But not enough for him to not do anything about it, I'm thinking. Not that he doesn't try. I think he does. But because he's already started to use projecting on me, um, and he's miscalculating cues and everything else. I, I, I just have to say this poor guy. I just, I feel so bad for him. So he, this is an abuse tactic. It, it, it to make unfounded derogatory comments. His escalation here is just starting. He, he actually continues, and and I was just so sad. So he then states, I would have kept abusing if I would not have hit rock bottom. Rock bottom? Yeah, we all have to hit rock bottom before we do things sometimes. He goes, and your stats are probably right. So he does, you know, say at least that um, that ha- that's happening, that my stats are probably right. Because now he's figured out what I've said. But I don't believe um, an abuser has to hit rock bottom to get help. Sometimes I think they can recognize that they get help. And how many hit rock bottom? I mean, you know, I I watched my ex-husband, I thought, hit rock bottom and mean as an individual. So rock bottom is a place for some. It might be helpful for some. But I don't think it has to be helpful for all. Um, That being said, we know abuse is a, a... a learned behavior, and so it has to be unlearned. It didn't. It wasn't learned in an eight-week course, and it won't be le- unlearned in an eight-week course. Okay. 
It takes years and years. An abuser never takes accountability ever or agrees with anyone unless they want to throw a person off guard. I took that bait. So when he said, you're probably right, I took that bait. I actually thought I saw healing in this man, but we found out later it was a ruse. I then stated, I have compassion for their victims. I feel sorry for abusers because I know they were a victim once. So in that aspect, I have compassion, but we all have a choice. Do we continue to abuse? Do we heal or do we stay a victim? Staying a victim actually is someone who um, – okay, a victim – someone who stays a victim. And I've gone through this before. There's three choices that we all make to stay as an abuser or to become – if you're a victim, you can become a victim. If you're a victim, you can stay a victim. You can become an abuser or you can become a survivor and a thriver, and we've discussed what those differences are. Okay, so someone who is an abuser, someone who abuses, but victims, those that choose to stay in a victims will either uh, intentionally or unintentionally continue to abuse those around them by saying, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. You can see how they're dressed, how their hair is, how they look sad all the time. Um, but that being said, uh, I did do, uh, there was an extreme example on a show about victims abusing victims and um, and if you would like that show, I could absolutely horrendous what this victim did um, to not only stay a victim, but to continue to victimize people. Um, an abuser makes a choice to abuse. It, and like I said, it's a learned. It can be unlearned. If it was not learned in an eight-week class, it's going to take longer to stop that behavior. He then states, I'm an advocate, not just for victims, but for abusers as well. I have empathy for both. Okay, so why is he telling me this? Is this more of a ruse? Um, one thing we know about abusers is they can't love because they don't love themselves because they abuse people, right? Maybe having apathy, it may be better. Um, I'm really unsure on that, to be honest with you. He then states, I have no resentment. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I then state, I have no resentment towards people I don't know. I don't like their behavior. Sharing staff doesn't mean resentment. Why are you so quick to be offended? No offense was intended. So he's projected. I'm thinking he's being offended. And here, you know, we've had a very, um, I thought, a relatively good relationship the past year and a half. Of course, we never dated. It was not that type of a friendship. And it actually can't even be described as a friendship. Uh, acquaintances, really. Um, different definition of resentment. Um, but I can, but I actually don't worry about uh, resenting anyone. I become unhappy with people from time to time, but discuss it, and it's over, period. So um, I don't hold grudges. I don't like to. I don't want to. Um, he may feel different, but he's never talked to me about anything of why he feels different. You know, one thing a healthy person does now, as I continue, you'll see as fold, he starts to say about something I said to a friend of mine, and I was direct and I was honest to this friend of mine. And he's talking about that, but he's actually lying. 
he's actually talking about another situation that he knows nothing about, nor did he ever ask me what's going on in my life, uh, as he pretended to be, he would have said, Shereen, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help you? Um, you know, we're friends. If you need to talk, let's talk. You know, this is healthy. Um, making accusations, um, false accusations, uh, that is very unhealthy. And as you continue to watch this, it will continue to unfold. Now, remember, this all started by him getting upset that I said 4%. And then he's saying I'm resentful because of 4%. That's where I'm at. That's where my head is. But because he has a different motive and he uh, loves power and control, I can see that. And, and you'll be able to as well. Um, he then states, um, I hope so. I'm not offended. Okay, one thing about abusers is they not only lie to those they victimize, they lie to themselves. When you tell someone that is sharing stats that they are resentful, you are offended. Sorry, it's the truth. At no time when you are receiving text messages should you ever think someone is being resentful unless you hear the tone of voice or you need to be more definitive on why you would make such a bold statement. So as you can tell, the abuse tactics are just starting to come out. He got upset about the word 4%. Now he's saying I'm resentful because he didn't like the 4%. Um, I'm just telling him stats. I'm just telling him information that I have learned through my, my studying for my PhD. There is, you know, nothing going on here on my end. It's all on his. And because he's lying and he has a motive, continue to abuse. And, and that's what he did. He, I then stated, I feel the Lord wants me to work with abusers, but I don't know how to go about starting to do that. And this is very true. This is very true. I um, I actually know uh, how, uh, because I have written my own uh, religious curriculum several months ago, I was driving down the road, and the Lord said, start writing this. I got to work, and I wrote up seven pages uh, of stuff that uh, went through my head and what the Lord wanted me to, to do. But I don't know how to get started or what to do to start it. I have only I have online abuse recovery and empowerment groups, but I'm not sure how to start a group for abusers, which is a, a direct instruction assignment requirement type of a curriculum that I've developed. I figured the Lord will open the door for me when that time is, happens. So I'm I'm not really pushing that issue at this time in my life, to be honest with you. I've written the curriculum, and I don't mind if I give it to someone else or, or what. Um, I'm waiting for the Lord to, to direct me in that direction. He then says to me, um, I just can't open up and be vulnerable toward people that have hatred towards others. Why he would hate himself? Because abusers do hate themselves, and that's why they can't love. It's really sad. He then goes on to say, I was shocked and lost some trust in you. So now he's trying to demean me in some way. When I read your text to a mutual friend the other day, I felt your hatred towards that mutual friend. I don't know what he did. Okay, number one, I was talking to this friend of mine, and I was being direct with him. And so what business is it of his that he knows what he did or didn't do? And why would he consider it hatred? Abusers do feel hatred. 
and I don't think it's towards their victim. This is my hypothesis, but I think I'm right on this. Abusers, when they, I think they hate themselves. I think they resent themselves. I, in fact, I know that they do that, but I think they take it out on other people. And they become the victims because they hate themselves because they hurt so badly inside. And my heart definitely goes out to abusers. I And I, I later said to him, and I think I've said this before, I said that I can't imagine what you went through to make you become an abuser. I can't even imagine that. I can't fathom that. I don't want to. It just breaks my heart that anyone is victimized ever. Um, as I discuss this with my PhD colleagues, we agree he is projecting here. Since the comment that I made uh, to this mutual friend was about me, and I use profanity, I am not sure why this abuser would think it was hatred. If he had a healthy thinking, this abuser would have said, are you okay, Shereen? Is there anything I can do? You seem upset. Um, he did not do any of that. But what I found out the next day was the abuser's comment, this abuser that I'm talking to, his comment was not about that mutual friend or that thing I said to him, actually concerning me, um, but it was about an ex-boyfriend whom he was conversing with. And this ex-boyfriend is an abuser. So what he said about abuser, he was lying. He was lying to me. And remember what I said, if their mouth is moving, they're lying. This was mutually discussed with the PhD colleagues and agreed upon. So his abuse tactics are now full swing. He has integrated lying into his comments. Um, so what he did is he was talking to one of my ex or talking to my ex boyfriend, whom I can't have because he's sociopathic. I can't have anything really to do with him. I because he sucks people in. He's not going to suck me in anymore. But he's already started to suck someone in. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's so sad when I heard that he really mistreated her at the last dance that I did not attend um, and she was very very upset that really hurt, hurt me because I had told her to prepare psychologically if you're going to continue with him and I always say to victims I never tell them to leave a, a situation ever I always tell them to prepare prepare for safety prepare um, whatever you need to prepare you prepare yourself. Well, she evidently didn't prepare because she was very upset on how he treated her. And when he came over and gave her a direct order, she got up and did that direct order. Would not every single one of us when we are being victimized do the same thing? Absolutely. Because we want that person that we fell in love with back. Which isn't the person that the abuser truly is. I gave a class on that one time, and I actually, I give it all the time because people ask me that same question. Um, I then said, why do you think there is hatred at all? Again, I'm thinking he is in recovery from abuse at this time, right? But he is not. But I don't recognize it yet. Now, what I was confused to hear you talk like that, that when you hold such a position of trust, 
okay, number one, what's my position of trust? And why is he trying to demean me? Um, even if I did have a position of trust, what would it matter to him? What I said to this guy, what would it matter to him? Because he never asked, hey, are you okay? Is there something I can do? This would be a healthy response. He used an unhealthy response. And um, pretty sad. Um, but I didn't get it till later because I, I hear I'm still thinking he's an abuser in recovery, right? Uh, no. He's only started. I'm going to say he's been in recovery a year or so, a year and a half. Um, not really a long time. So that's not a very long time for a, an abuser. Abuser needs to be going through recovery uh, for at least eight years. So truly, uh, I truly hope he's trying. I really do. And I said eight years. And that's, I'll tell you why, because I think, you know, they have an eight-week class. I think it's really one year per per one week of class um, that they, they need help. So if they're in a 16-week class, that's 16 years. No. Just kidding. That's just my hypothesis there. Okay, so he then, um, when he said, when he said, oh, but you hold such a position of trust, but bam, he hit full abuse mode. Can you believe it? I'm like, are you kidding me? Question him on hatred because he was projecting, projecting in his self-reflection, very unhealthy thinking. This is very common among abusers. He shows a lack of concern and consideration, etc. So I then, I don't talk to abusers. I have to tell you that straight up. I just don't. But I was pretty excited about one who said they wanted to help. So this is what I said. I said, bye. Your comments were hurtful. You're right. Don't need to talk. Bye-bye. I'm good. And I was, I was done, really. I was completely done. Um, when I noticed that he's, you know, attacked me as a person, attacked me in all sorts of ways that are his projections, I, I, I don't talk to abusers. I don't waste my time ever. Isn't trying to be helpful and isn't trying to get help. So I, I really felt that ending this conversation would have been the best thing. And then he says, the one thing that all abusers say, remember what I said, they all say, hey, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. So um, how he said that, and this is a total verbiage for uh, abusers, They and he said it, it's almost like they're predictable, and they are predictable, actually. Uh, I was reading uh, something from a better person's advocacy out of Oregon, and they said, these are the words that they use. Word for word, and I'm like, you know what? My abuser used the exact same words. So this is one thing that all abusers say uh, when they know how to um, needle a victim. Oh, you are playing the victim. Ba-bam. You know, if I had a dollar for every time an abuser has said that around the world, I not only would live in a multi-million dollar house, but everybody I know that would live in a multi-million dollar house. That's how frequently this line is said. Okay, so all abusers use that line, right? They use it when they think they are losing power and control. He is still in full abuser mode. He actually makes this comment two more times. 
So a total of three times during this conversation. Now, a healthy person, number one, would never say that. Um, a healthy person would have said, all right, Shereen, you know, if you need to go. Well, number one, they wouldn't have said you're resentful. Number two, a healthy person would have said you're hateful. Another healthy person wouldn't have said, oh, you're in such a, 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 a high position of trust. How could you have made such comments? Which, you know, four, the word 4% is, you know, not that bad of a comment. And um, so anyway. Uh, abusers do not care about anyone. They are incapable. And I said this before. They will tell you they care or that they love you. They are incapable of love. They don't love themselves, so they cannot love others. His comments following this become all over the map. And my colleagues noticed that. They said his comments are just freaking all over the map. This is normal for someone that's unhealthy. Um, it's very, very normal for abusers to have only one path that is power and abuse, uh, power and control, right? But they're all over the map on their comments. He was doing everything to gain that power and control back. Based on our continued conversation, my hypothesis would be that he is has narcissistic tendencies and sociopathic tendencies in the personality disorder cluster B. He is in full swing at this time. He abuse uh, he his abuse classes have not helped him, and he has not been successful in his therapy. So he has not he is not part of the ninety seven percent who do not reoffend because he just reoffended, right? We will say all abusers do. They do not recognize their abuse. Psychological abuse, emotional abuse, or verbal abuse is not something they recognize. Uh, they would recognize physical and sexual, right? Probably something they could get in trouble for. I guess I should have told him uh, that I do sh- that I did a show on my ex-boyfriend and how he grooms and discards women. And that show happened to be the second highest rated show of all time for me. So um, that might have helped him if he knew that in advance to not say anything to me. Um, Another thing that happened, um, and let me just explain that the conversation continued, the abuse continued. Um, And at one point I said to him, you know what, today has been, and it totally was a totally spiritual day. I just come from two friends. We had, it was Sunday. And we had such a strong spiritual discussion. I felt, you know, the spirit all over the place. I'm crying for him. I'm crying for what I thought was somewhat of a friendship, which is nothing, was not, nothing to him. And he does later say, oh, I love you, Shereen. No, he doesn't. He can't love anybody. Um, it's a ruse. And if he, it's what he does to convince himself, that's fine. But that's not what love is. Love doesn't do any of those things. Someone who loves you does not do that. They respect you. They talk to you like a human being. And they want to be a part of your life. Now, just if you, there's people that we don't respect sometimes. You know, that doesn't mean we don't love them. Um, I have a whole lot of respect for my ex-boyfriend. I just watched him, or I didn't watch him because I didn't go to the dance. But my one of my best friends said, hey, he's really being mean to her. And I was trying to talk to her and help her through this. And I said to her, I should have been there because if I was there, he'd been all over like a wet T-shirt just to try to abuse me. <coughs> and um, 
So anyway, I love my boyfriend very much. Do I love, respect him now? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I don't have anything to do with them. It doesn't matter where I respect them or not, right? Um, I let them live their life. They let me live mine. It's great, as long as they don't intrude in any way, right? Okay, so when I said this to him, I'm crying now. Do you know what I said to me? Nothing. Someone who's healthy would have said, I'm sorry that I didn't mean to do that. Um, I, I, You know, maybe I came off a little different than I should have, but he said nothing. Saying nothing is very sociopathic. Uh, one of my friends that I shared this with that knows him very well said, please tell me he apologized. Please tell me he apologized for that. Well, I read her all the text messages. I mean, it continues to do so. Um, I'm going to stop here pretty much. Um, he continued the abuses. He gave himself excuses for his abusing. I'm just surprised he did not use the I'm a victim card because they all do. Um, they all pull that. He is probably pulling it now. It is what my ex pulls. I'm sure of it. He fell prey to my ex-boyfriend. Uh, this abuser fell prey to my ex-boyfriend. When I told him he was lying, significantly after this um, I finally just had nothing I just said you know have a good night um, you know truly I thought we were friends we're not <laughs> I said because friends don't do what you're doing uh, but since I was you know since I was the one who is playing the victim <laughs> yeah if I, get, I wish all abusers knew that when you say, are you playing a victim? That is totally an abuser comment. They all do it. And they all play the I'm a victim card. You know, that's how, how non-cognizant they are. Anyway, so my recommendation would be to get uh, into a better program. Obviously, this one isn't working. To find a new therapist, because obviously this one isn't working. And he needs to see one once a week, not once a month. My colleagues are very unhappy that he was not seeing a therapist at least once a week. Very shocked. He is way behind the eight ball on recovery. His eight-week court-ordered program failed him. I'm going to say it was a court-ordered. I have no idea. Um, failed him and those he continued because he continues to abuse people. Okay, I haven't added any because it's not important to do that. What is important is that his abuses flourished and he's doing well. No, he's not doing well. He's doing very poorly and he needs a ton of help. At one time, I thought he was a friend. There is no friendship displayed there on his part. But I can understand. I, I, I can't understand that. Um, he is an abuser. They can't be a true friend to anyone. Someone you can talk to does not mean a friend. You can't be trusted. He can't be trusted. He turned on me, and I thought we were friends. To answer my initial question at the top of this show, yes, he is an abuser. And no, he is not getting help. Or if he is... It is not being incorporated in his daily life. Oh, I'm going to tell you that this saddens my heart to no end. 
I thought this man was a really good man, a man of God. Um, he continues to make other mistakes. It's so power and control must be such a strong magnet that it just sucks these guy, guys or gals in. And it just saddens my heart. It must be just such a pull. I don't know. You know, I barely have power and control over my own life. I don't worry about somebody else's. You know, I do worry about him. I wish him the best. Uh, you know, I love him as a brother in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I would never consider him a friend until he got a little bit more help. Now, I personally do not associate with abusers because sociopathic or borderline or, um, I'm sorry, or narcissists, just because uh, it's just too difficult of a relationship ever. I don't talk to abusers ever. If I would have known that he was still heavy into his abusive situation, I never, ever would have said anything to him. Problem everybody else does. My heart is very, very sad for him. I wish I could do more for him. I wish I could do anything I could for him. Um, But I can't. Um, abusers that abuse someone um, that someone really needs to just pull away from that relationship, even if it's just for a while. Um, you know, we do run around in the same group. I don't plan on not seeing him because I run around in the same group that he does. Uh, I don't plan on talking to him because I have nothing to talk about. It'd be, hey, and hey, that'd be it at the most. Um, there's nothing to talk about. Um, about him being vulnerable. I mean, why would you be vulnerable? I mean, don't be vulnerable around whomever you don't want to be vulnerable around. Um, I didn't any vulnerability. I wanted to know. Uh, I, I would like to know if I sat down to talk to him today, what I would like to know is how did you become an abuser? How did it get so out of hand? What was something you could have done differently? What is something you would tell somebody else who's maybe a teenager? Because I work with a lot of teenagers, right? So what is it that uh, he could tell a teenager to prevent this from happening? Now, and because of the fact that I thought that he was getting help, what was it that led you to the help? What was it that helped you the most? I don't think that these are vulnerable questions. I think these are educational questions, educational questions for somebody else. I truly hope he one day does uh, cease all power and control and all abuse tactics. It's very difficult, though. It's very difficult for them. My heart bleeds. I did say I'd be talking about flying monkeys, the only flying monkey, really, that uh, uh, was not him or anything to do with him. Remember I told you he was talking to my ex-boyfriend and that my um, ex-boyfriend has this girl that he uses so, so horribly. Um, He uses her as a flying monkey. I've seen it, unfortunately. I'm so sad for her. I I really hope that she can get the help that she needs to get away from him. She will eventually get away from him. It's just, you know, will it be like me when it's you're way too late and it's sucked in and and half your body and your brain is gone. So and half and your all of your spirit is gone because they've just sucked the life right out of you. It's what abusers do, and that's why I don't. Um, that's why I don't talk to them. 
And there will be a day, though, that uh, the Lord will open the door that he'll want me to work with them because, unfortunately, I've had that talk with the Lord, and he wants me to work with them. And I've written the curriculum for that to be done. And so when that day comes, I'll be there. Have a good night. I love you all. Stay safe. Stay away from abusers. You'll do just fine. I hope you learned something from this. Um, I wanted you to see healthy and unhealthy. I hope I pointed that out well enough. If not, again, you can email me at shereencwr.gmail.com. That's S-H-A-R-E-E-N-E-C-W-R at gmail.com. Um, I do have a lot of um, study references that I've used on this um, show as well. So if you'd like those, I can send them to you as well. So please don't hesitate to call, contact me if you, in fact, would like to do that. Have a good night. Bye-bye.